This is a Woodside Church podcast. So let me tell you what happened, you know, this week. You know, this week on Thursday, I was in the endoscopy unit. I was, you know, uh, doing some procedures. And at the end, you know, I was, you know, typing up the notes and everything. And I could hear in the background, two of the nurses were discussing some spiritual matters. So I I got interested and I asked them, uh, you look like you're discussing some spiritual matters. What is it that you're discussing? So they they said something to me. I I can't remember what they said. And so I said, which church do you go to? I already knew who they were, okay? And so I asked them, which church do you go to? And they said, we are Jehovah's Witnesses. You, you, you must have, you know, met, you know, some Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, come to your house, knocking on your door and, and sharing things. I said, yeah, yeah, I've had a few encounters with, you know, people belonging to, to, to your group. And um, so I asked them, I still fail to understand. You speak a lot about Jesus, don't you? And I said, um, so what is the main difference between you and us, you know? And they said, ah, we don't believe Jesus is God. We only believe God the Father is God, and Jesus was his son. So Jesus is somewhere lower down the order. So there's a hierarchy, there's God the Father, and then comes Jesus. And I said, ah, okay. So I said, what is the reason for you to to believe that way. And then they said, we have done a lot of research, a lot of studies, and then they told me, shall we look at a verse? I said, fair enough, we'll look at a verse. And this is all in the endoscopy unit, okay? And so this is, you know, day-to-day stuff that you and me would encounter, you know, would be expected to deal with. And they said, Colossians, you know, open Colossians 1. So took up my Bible on my phone, and Colossians 1.15, it says here, Jesus is called, and this is what it says, this is Paul writing, Jesus is called the firstborn of every creature. Oh, sorry, um, uh, where is it? Uh, oh, I don't have that here. Let me open up Colossians 1.15. Sorry. This is me trying to rustle up something, you know, within half an hour, 45 minutes this morning. So bear with me while I do this. So book of Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. Okay? So Apostle Paul is saying, he is, speaking about Jesus, he's saying he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. So look, Apostle Paul, the word of God says, Jesus is what? The firstborn. That means God the Father gave birth to Jesus the Son. There you are. Okay? And then it said, you know, we also made a research into John chapter 1 where it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was uh, with God, the word was God, and he was with God in the beginning. He said, where it says, you know, he was, you know, uh, and the word was God and he was with God. They said it is some, so there is some grammatical, you know, if you look at the original text, there was some uh, grammatical difference. And, you know, so Jesus is not God, okay? 
So I said, okay. And at that time, actually, I had no time because I had to go after my endoscopy. I had to go on to, you know, to another session. And they said, so look, I have to go. Let's have this discussion. I said, don't forget, okay, we'll be waiting for you next week, okay? So they thought they had me, you know, and they are really, you know, going to, you know, uh, sort of overpower me in this debate, okay? So I'm going back to them, okay? But I thought, you know, this is very topical. You know, I was asked this question, and it's very good for us to look at it again because we could encounter, because... I understand, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses are, you know, there are lots of them. They come knocking on house doors and everything. And you could encounter them on the street, everywhere, in your place of work, in your home and everything. And it's a good idea, I thought, you know, to to go through and understand, you know, what we understand about the Trinity, okay? Uh, The Bible reveals God to us as as, as, as a fellowship of three persons, the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We call it Trinity, okay? Three in one, one in three. So, let's look at, you know, the Old Testament first, okay? And this is what God says about himself in the Old Testament. The first verse that I want to look, you know, for us to look at is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. And this is the most important Jewish prayer, okay, or the opening of the Jewish prayer. They do this in the morning and evening every day, and it's called Shema Israel. Okay, have you heard of Shema Israel? Shema Israel. So this is the first verse, six four. It says Shema Israel. This is the this is the original Hebrew. Shema Israel, Yahweh Elohinu, Yahweh Echad. Okay which means Shema Israel means hear, O Israel. Yahweh Elohinu means the Lord is our God. Yahweh Echad means the Lord is one. So hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Now let's, you know, try and dissect this a little bit, okay? The Lord is our God, Yehovah Elohinu, okay? So the Elohinu, is the plural for God, okay? Is the plural word, you know, used for God, okay? And the second one, the Lord is one, okay? They say the Lord is one, Yehovah Echad. Echad is the unified one. That means two or more coming together to become one, okay? The Hebrew word for the absolute one, that means if it's just one, only one, the word used should be yakid, Y-A-C-H-I-D. But instead of using the word yakid, the God is using the word ekad, which is a unified one. And ekad is the same word that God uses in Genesis 2.24 to describe the man and woman coming together to become one flesh. You remember in, in, in Genesis 2.24, um, God created Adam, and from Adam he took out Eve, and then, you know, when Adam wakes up, he goes to the woman and says, this is uh, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and they became one, okay? And that word one, you know, the Hebrew word used for that one is 
Ekad, the unified one, okay? And so God uses the same word Ekad to describe the fellowship of God is not the absolute one, it's the unified one, okay? In the most important prayer, Jewish prayer, which they do morning and evening, the Shema Israel, okay? And um, uh, so that is first one. Now, let me go to Colossians 1 first. Let's clear, let's clear the doubt before we go into a deeper analysis of the, the Trinity. Now, Jesus is called the firstborn of every creation, Colossians 1.15. However, in Jewish imagery, the firstborn means having the rights and special privileges belonging to the eldest child. It refers to preeminence in rank more than to priority in time. Now, once, when we look at you know, Psalms 89, verse 20, 27, Psalms 89, where it speaks about David. Now, we know David, was he the eldest son in the family? Was he Jesse's eldest son? No, he was the, he was the youngest son, okay? So speaking about David in Psalms 89, it says here, you know, David is called the firstborn in Psalms 89, 27. It's called, the, just check it out, 8927. But he's not the firstborn. He's the youngest of all the children of Jesse, okay? So let us correct it. The firstborn, you know, doesn't always mean, you know, the first, you know, born. It's preeminence, okay? Now, one of the rules in scripture interpretation is that we should never, ever take one isolated verse and try and explain our stand, okay? Do you understand? You, you follow that. You know, always in the Bible, the Bible is a large text, okay? You know, so many pages, written over 1,500 year period, you know, by how many authors? I don't know, 20 or 30 different authors, okay? Over a 1,500 year period. So, this is what happens when you have a predetermined understanding, when you have a predetermined thing in your mind, and you're trying to use scripture to support what you have already decided in your mind. This is what happens. So never ever take one verse to try and explain your stand, okay? Now let's move on. So we talked about the Shema Israel, Deuteronomy 6, chapter, you know, chapter 6, verse 4. Now let's look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. You know, this is where, you know, this is how it goes. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So what is the word used to describe the son that's going to be born? Mighty God, okay? And then in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, you know, it says like this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Okay? So when the child comes, he'll be called Emmanuel. Do we know the meaning of the word Emmanuel? Emmanuel means God with us. So when Jesus was amongst his people, when Jesus is here, it is God, he is God who is with us. Hallelujah. Amen. And then 
Let's look at Jesus himself. So I'm not looking at what Apostle Paul is saying. I'm not looking at what any of the disciples are saying. I'm just looking at what God is saying and what Jesus is saying, just using the words of Jesus himself and the words of the the prophecies in the Old Testament. So Jesus himself, you know, he says, he said so many things about him and the Father. One of the things he said was, in John chapter 10, verse 30, he said, I and the Father are one. We are one. Okay? He didn't say, you know, the Father is greater than I am. He did say so many times, you know, the Father is greater than I. But he also said, the Holy Spirit is greater than I. You know, remember, speaking about the Holy Spirit, he says, if you say anything against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven. But if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, it will never be forgiven. So he was elevating the Holy Spirit above himself, even though he said, I and the Father are going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Remember, okay? We'll come to that in a minute. And then, you know, we see, you know, in, in Matthew chapter 3, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with, who, with him I am well pleased. The father is, you know, is revealing his appreciation about the son and, 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 and uh, revealing the son to everyone. And Jesus you know, let's go on, you know, look at a few things, a few other verses. You know, he's having this conversation with his disciples. And Thomas, in John chapter 14, we see Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus tells Thomas. Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say, the Father is the truth. He didn't say Father is the way. He said, I am the truth, and I am the way, okay? And he said, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And he said, from now on, you know him and have seen him. Because you know me, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have seen the Father, okay? And then in John 14, verse 9, you know, Philip has a doubt, and Philip says, you know, ask Jesus a question, and Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? All right? Very, very straightforward. No messing around. No spin. No spin here, okay? It's very, he's very clear up front. He's saying, You know, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. And uh, John 10, 30, we said, I and the Father are one. And then he's having this discussion. Jesus, on another occasion, having a discussion with the Pharisees, okay, who really are having a go at him, okay? And uh, Jesus tells them this. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. You know the word of God in the Old Testament when Moses asked God, what is your name? Okay, what is your name? What did God say? I am who I am. 
I am is my name. And, you know, Jesus uses the same words of God and tells the Jews before Abraham was born, I am, okay, I am. He can't be any more clearer than that. Yeah? And then he speaks about the Holy Spirit and he says, if you love me, in John 14, he says, if you love me, Keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The word cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Okay? And then, you know, he says, and again in chapter 14, he says again, and there are different verses in the Bible where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, I and the Father, you know, we will send you the counselor, the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. Okay? And when the counselor, the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus says, he will reveal everything about me to you. He will take what belongs to me and give it to you. You understand? And then he's elevating the Holy Spirit saying, you know, if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. So we find a pattern here. The pattern here is, you know, the Father is elevating the Son, the Son is elevating the Father, and the Son is elevating the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is elevating both the Father and the Son. You see? And this is, this is the fellowship that we see. And then... Uh, we find Jesus, you know, in Matthew 28, you know, after he has, you know, uh, risen from the dead, before he's getting ready to go up and go back up to the Father, he says, tells his disciples, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, okay? Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He's saying, you know, he is putting all the three of them together equal in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Should we or should we not believe Jesus? Are we relying our doctrine just on one verse? There are so many verses that support, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that our God is a fellowship of three persons, the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And then, let's look at the book of Revelation. Okay? Chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found or was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. 
The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding a golden golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. So we find who is sitting on the throne? God the Father is sitting on the throne. But also who is with the Father sitting on the throne? Jesus is sitting. Okay? Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. And we find all the elders, you know, and the four living creatures. They are falling before the lamb and they are offering worship to the lamb. Okay? And saying, worthy, you are worthy. Okay? So in the heaven we see the Father on the throne and, you know, the lamb on the throne as well. So, my friends, what do we understand about our God? So we understand from all these scriptures that God is a community of three persons. I love showing this. I've shown this so many times here, you know. So this is God, you know, and, you know, we find there are three separate persons in God, okay? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are one but at the same time, they are three separate persons. We could use, I was imagining, I was thinking about different things. We could imagine, you know, three colors of fumes, okay? Reds, blue, and yellow, okay? Fumes, just smoke. And when they come together, they become colorless. I believe the three primary colors are red, blue, and yellow, is it? Red, blue, and green, is it? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm correct, yeah. No, red, blue, and yellow, okay? So imagine three fumes. God is spirit, okay? God is spirit, okay? There is nowhere in the Bible, there is nowhere in the Bible, you know, that God says, look, somewhere, you know, in time, I gave birth to, you know, I split into three or something like that. We don't hear anything about it, okay? What we find is that, you know, the three are one and the three are together, <clears throat> okay? So the three persons in the Trinity of God are equal in everything. They are perfect in love, okay? They are perfect in love. You see, Jesus, when he was on earth, he had two purposes to do. The first purpose was what? to die for the sins of the world on the cross of Calvary. And the second one was to show how we can have this relationship with the Father. So he was not only come to die on the cross, which was the most important thing, but it was also to show how we could live the Christian life, okay? So when we live the Christian life here, you know, we live it in relationship with our God, you know? That is how we live, just like Jesus lived. 
Jesus said, I know the words of the Father. And similarly, when we live on this earth, you know, we need to know the words of the Father. You know, we see a Father and we want to be like Him. You know, we want to say the words of the Father and uh, we want to be like Him, okay? And we want to do things like Him. So they are perfect in love. They perfectly adore each other. They really love each other, okay? They have perfect friendship in the fellowship of God is perfect friendship. There is no friction. They perfectly understand each other. They perfectly communicate with each other. They have perfect fellowship. They have complete freedom, okay? They have complete freedom. Now think about it this way. Think about it this way. Um, if father was the top person and then under father was Jesus and the Holy Spirit, now think about it this way. You know, did the father command Jesus to come into the world to die on the cross? What would that make the father look like? You know, so he was giving this job. You know, he didn't want to come on the cross and die. So he asked Jesus, he commanded him. Would that put the father in good light? No. You see, the three persons in the Godhead, one, they decided, Jesus decided, I will go and do this. I will go and do this. They are equal. He said, I will go and do this. So there is complete freedom, you know, to do, and they chose, you know, you know to do this function. Somebody had to come and die on the cross for our sins. It could have been the Holy Spirit. It could have been Jesus. It could have been the Father. But it was Jesus who chose to come. If the Father came, we could have found fault with Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Why didn't they come? You know, we could keep asking questions like that. But Jesus used his freedom and his choice to come down. And they are submitted to each other. You know, that Jesus never does anything, you know, what the Father doesn't want. Okay? And the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything what the Father or Jesus wants. Okay? They work together. They are submitted to each other. They honor and respect each other. In himself, God experiences perfect community. You see, God is a community in himself. In himself, God experiences perfect community. God is not lacking in friendship or relationship. He is the essence of relationship. He is the essence of relationship. You know, we, now, we know there are three kinds of love, okay? You've heard of three kinds of love? One is the agape love, or the divine love that is in God. And the other one is filio, okay? Which is from, from, the, the, the term, from, from that term, filio comes Philadelphia, or, you know, filio means uh, brotherly love, okay? And then you have eros, which is, you know, uh, sexual love, okay? So you have agape love, you have got filio and you've got eros, but this agape love or the divine love is found only in God, okay? Just imagine if God was one person, okay? If God was one person, how could he love, okay? Because to have love, you need to have at least two people because love is something that is given and received. It's given and received. So to have love, that is why when you look at Quran, there is no mention of love because there's no concept of love in, in the Quran, okay? Whereas in the Bible, 
there is a divine love. And this divine love originated in God himself. Originated in God himself. Okay? And Apostle Paul, John, John speaks about this and says, God is love. And all that God does flows out of this love of his. Hallelujah. Okay? <clears throat> now, there are some people, you know, I mean, I listen to a lot of debates online because I really, you know, I'm interested in these sort of things. I prepare myself as much as I can because when I'm on the streets, wherever I am, I need to, you know, be empowered, you know, to give a defense of my faith, of what I believe in. And some people say, oh, you know, if you look at Mark, Mark was the first book written, okay, first of the four Gospels. And John was written much later in the year, in a 1980 or something like that. So you say, when you look at Mark, you know, there's a huge difference between Mark and John, okay? So Mark doesn't speak about, you know, the, the you know, this, this Trinity or anything. But I would encourage you, go, when you go home, read the first chapter of the book of Mark. Go and read the first chapter of the book of Mark and underline where it says about the Father, about the Lord Jesus, about the Holy Spirit. The three persons are mentioned several times in the first book, you know, the first chapter of the book of Mark, okay? So, you know, that nobody reads, okay? But we, friends, we have to read, okay? And understand the word of God, understand our Father, and understand who it is that we have committed our life to. <clears throat> now, let me tell you this. This understanding of Trinity that I have mentioned to you has been very, very crucial for me in my life, okay? Now, you know, I was born in India, you know, like an Eastern bloke, okay? And <clears throat> in the East, I mean, it was here in the West as well. You've had a little better understanding more than us, you know, so you are slightly ahead of us. Whereas in the East, <clears throat> people look upon women as, you know, second class, okay? So in our marriages, you know, the man is a top guy, okay? And the woman is the, is the second, you know, plays second fiddle to the man, okay? And um, so you, you grow up, you know, 20, 30 years, you're growing up like that, and you're thinking, okay, you know, so you have this understanding in your mind. But when I understood, you know, how the fellowship of God is, okay, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you see, we find that, you know, this is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when, you know, in the book of Genesis, we find in chapter 2, God decides to make, in a man, what was he doing? See, God was, you know, perfect in fellowship. He had perfect fellowship. He didn't need any fellowship. But what God was trying to do was, he was expanding his fellowship to include someone else. And he created everything, and then he decides to create man. And when he talks about creation of man, he said, let us create, let us create man in our image. So God created man in his image, okay? And when God created, he created Adam. He took woman out of Adam, they became two, and then they became one. Okay, Adam went to the woman and said, this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, and the two became one. Okay, you see, God's nature and God's design are exactly the same. 
what God has done is he has replicated himself, you know, when he was creating mankind, okay? And this has helped me in my relationship with my wife, okay? So, you know, as a result of this understanding, I started praying to God, God, give me the grace, you know, to understand this. And now, you know, it's gone one step better. You see, some people accuse me whenever I speak, you know, preach, I speak about my wife, Sunu, okay? And they say, oh, you're always speaking about your wife, Sunu. She's saying you're beautiful and this and that. My friends, I cannot stop other than say these things because God has made me like that, okay? God, I've become like that because I wanted, you know, to, to, to be, you know, have the same nature as God and now my wife is not only equal to me, but she's better than me, okay? Do you understand? Just like the Jesus says, Father is better than me and the Holy Spirit is better than me, I can only see my wife as better than myself, okay? And that is how it should be. Okay, that is how it should be. We are equal partners, you know, in this relationship. So forgive me if I say my wife is better than me or she's beautiful. You know, I am a victim of my own prayers. I say I'm a victim of my own prayers. Okay, and uh, that's beautiful. You know, so you understand something of the Father, okay, something of God, and I'm praying to God, God, make us like that. Make us to be like how you are, okay? So previously we started off with wife slightly inferior to me. Then the wife became equal. Now the wife is better than me. That's better, isn't it? That's just replicating, you know, what we see in, the far, in, in, in God, in the fellowship of God. And the same thing happens. What's the time now? <laughs> eh? Okay, I'll finish very quickly. <clears throat> And uh, so, you see, when, you know, we for the first time, when we recognize who God is, okay, and we give our lives to him, what are we doing? We are exercising our choice. We see God and we're saying, God, I want to be in fellowship with you. I recognize that you're God. I'm giving my life to you. So I come to stand with him to be part of this fellowship, to part of the fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm saying I want to be part of this fellowship. And God welcomes me because he's all about fellowship. He says, come into my fellowship. You know, fellowship is life. When Jesus says, I'm giving you eternal life, eternal life means eternal fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I have exercised my choice, and you guys have exercised your choice to stand with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to be in one fellowship, okay? And whatever the Father's views are, whatever God's views are, you take it upon yourself and say, from now on, the views of God or the values of God, the values of the kingdom of God are mine, okay? Hallelujah. And this is why we, you know, we have certain values in our life. You know, the church has some values. It's not something that we have created. You know, we have taken the values of the kingdom of God, you know, as our own, okay? So we have used our choice. Now we are talking about this series about, you know, um, what is it? On love series. Some people are confused. 
Okay, they say, you know, we're talking about homosexuality and transgender and everything. You know, are we now saying that that is also okay? I said, my friend, you know, look, you know, see, look, we are standing in fellowship, okay? Now, there are other people in this world, other people in the world that we live in, okay? They also have a choice, okay? And that choice is given to them First of all, by God himself, he doesn't force anyone. He says everyone has free choice. Everyone has free choice. God doesn't force anyone. Secondly, the law of the land gives every citizen of this country a choice. Okay? So as long as they are within the law of the land, they can practice what they want. So we have no right to condemn a person what he or she practices, whether she practices homosexuality or Whatever, we don't have an authority to judge that person. So if such a person comes into our church, comes into a place of work, the only thing we can say is, you are welcome. Okay? Because all of us were sinners. All of us were sinners. You know, even now, after knowing God for 30 years or so, in my case, I'm not perfect. I still make mistakes. Okay? So do I condemn myself? Do you guys judge me? No one judged me. Jesus says, I didn't come to judge this world. I have come to save this world. Okay? So, we welcome these people into a church. Doesn't mean, doesn't dilute, you know, what we have, you know, the commitment that we have made with God. Okay? Remember, before the love series, we had a series on grace. Grace teaches us to say, no. The outworking of grace is holiness, okay? We want to become like God, you know? The, why is the Holy Spirit of God in us? Because we cannot live the Christian life in our own strength. That is why God sent the Holy Spirit to live within us. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be transformed into his likeness. So that we can speak like him, so we can, we can think like him, we can act like him, we can be like him in this world. So we have decided. So just because we are preaching about homosexuality or welcoming somebody, you know, with a transgender, who is a transgender into a church, doesn't mean that we should say no to transformation, okay? We are being transformed. We are being changed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. We are being changed from maturity to maturity. We are growing into the fullness of Christ by the power of God. Hallelujah. So we welcome people not to dilute our vision, not to dilute our values, not to say, okay, now we are lax about these things, but we welcome people in love so that we can point them to Jesus, to the Savior, and say, look, the way is open. Jesus has done everything on the cross. Okay? Do come in. Taste and see that God is good. We don't dilute our values. And this is what Martin was saying. You know, it's all about grace and truth. Grace and truth. When there is grace, grace doesn't dilute our truth. Grace doesn't dilute our values. But we invite people in love into the kingdom of God. And when they come into the kingdom of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, they become transformed as well. They become set free. Hallelujah. I think my time is up. Let's stand up.
loving Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for revealing who you are, for revealing your nature to us, that you are, that you are a fellowship of three persons. And Lord, in the fellowship of God, you are perfect. You are holy. You are submitted to each other. You are in love. Lord, there is so much we can learn from you, Lord. And we have come to be with you. We have come to be in fellowship with you. And our prayer today, this morning, is that we want to be like you. We want to be like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In relationship with our wives, with our husbands, in our family, in our church, Lord, we want to see that we are equal. Lord, we are equal partners in this calling that you have called us to be. And Lord, we thank you for giving us this, this, this revelation. And Lord, we pray that as we go out into the world, we carry this beautiful revelation of yourself, of us. And Lord, we pray that we will be able to reveal and speak about the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and invite many, Lord, many into your kingdom. Lord, the light that you've kindled, kindled within us, Lord, we pray that it will shine brightly, Lord, shine brightly. And Lord, we pray that the life of God will flow out of us. The river of life will flow out of us. And wherever we go, Lord, in our neighborhoods, in our families, Lord, in our places of work, Father, we pray that lives will spring into effect because of the power of God that is in us. Thank you once again, Father. Bless our church, Lord. Bless us as we go out into the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.